Okay, this one's called Students Don't Know Anything. The subject here is facts, knowledge, information, everything that schools were supposed to be about. And little by little, our schools, K-12 in the United States of America, has participated in the general thinning down, thinning the herd of knowledge. I was chatting with a professor from a community college, and she startled me by summing up her incoming students in this memorable way. They don't know anything. Her students would not be among the best. Still, they have graduated from high school, and an institution of higher learning has decided that they have the grades and other qualifications to continue their education. Well, I ventured, could you give me some examples of what you mean when you say they don't know anything? Is it really that bad? Yes, it's that bad. All the evidence suggests and I'll be going over some of it. Now, coincidentally, that same weekend, the local paper ran a column called, open quote, Writing Off Reading by a College Professor, who must remain nameless. His morose observations paralleled those made by the first professor. He noted that although his students come to him with high GPAs, they have read little and possess weak vocabularies. He opined, open quote, what we're graduating from our high schools isn't college material. Sometimes it isn't even good high school material. So my first thought was, well, so what are you going to do about it? And I have to say that th these professors did not have a good grip on what to do about the problem that they're right in the middle of. So I trust them as witnesses, and I suggest that you treat their testimony very seriously. But now we have to look at it, what it is I want you to understand the way that our educators work. It's like a murder case we had down here in uh, Tidewater, Virginia, where some guy, I think it was gang-related, and uh, some guy had offended his gang or his ex-gang, and they had hung this guy, stabbed him to death, poisoned him, set him on fire, drowned him, and in general, killed him and killed him and killed him and killed him again. And the people running our school system seem to take the attitude like if they just keep coming back for another attack on knowledge, it'll finally go away and stop bothering them. The main thing they've done over the last 50, 75 years is to constantly belittle knowledge, just the abstract idea of knowledge. They just, sometimes they do this vocally. There's a big sophistry out there where they say, oh, well, everything's on Google now. Everything's on Google. Why do you need to know anything? And the kids have learned to say that now. But the teachers say it, too. They're the ones that set it up. And they talk about the factory method and the, the this and that and the other. And the, what do they call it? Oh, t teach to the test and just lots of things that make it sound like somehow it's different. No, it isn't different. The knowledge is out there. You need to know it. And we have to make it... In, make it difficult for the kids not to learn it instead of making it the other way around. They constantly disparage what their job is, which is to make sure they know basic knowledge. So as a multi, uh, you know, we got the rocket launchers and the B-52s and the, the uh, tanks and the artillery and uh, special forces attacking in the middle of the night. I mean, we got a massive attack. And so what this means is they don't try to teach you things. And meanwhile, simultaneous with what I've said so far, they have this vendetta against memorization. 
Let's see, I have a, an article on my site called The War Against Memor Memorization. The War Against Memorization, I believe it is. But th it doesn't matter. Um, the point is, it, it was pronounced enough a dozen years ago that I could write that article. They just constantly say, they don't, they don't t talk about anybody memorizing anything. It almost, in fact, is forbidden. They do this in the math classes, which I'll get to in some other day, but they don't tell kids they need to know the multiplication tables. It's exactly the opposite. They say, no, no, you shouldn't memorize stuff. We want, you to, we want to teach you how to really think through the problem. Oh, right. So when you get to 2 times 8, you have to stop and write it down on paper, I guess, and start over again. It's completely insane. So no memory. Knowledge is not important. And then they rough up the individual components of what used to be an education. Geography used to be called the queen of the sciences because everything takes place on the earth. History comes next, but you can't teach history if they, you don't know what the Atlantic Ocean is. And in fact, I, I wrote about this on Quora, Q-U-O-R-A. It was fascinating to me that right behind, after I wrote this article, some teacher left a comment saying, you've got it exactly right. He says, every time I teach anything, a poem, a story, I have to start from scratch. I have to explain to them where the author's from, where the setting is, what state and city it is, and whatever they might be supposed to know about that. Because so little is taught, the kids don't have that foundational knowledge that everybody's supposed to get in the first six years when you're learning general stuff. The names of the oceans and the, the continents and the big rivers. That might sound unexciting, but if you don't know where the big rivers are, I mean, this is you can look at a map of the world, and you find the big rivers, and you can kind of predict what's going to happen. I mean, that's where the boundary is going to be between countries and states, and the trade is going to go along there, and the first settlers are going to go along there, where it is in the world. We have a weird sort of make-believe. The school pretends to be in the education business. The teachers pretend to teach. The students pretend to go through the motions of being taught and educated. But how else to say it, cliche that it is, smoke and mirrors, a weird kind of charade. It's the great American education scam. Now think about this for a moment. Students are in, in class about 30 hours a week, give or take. And roughly is about 30 weeks, school weeks in the year, give or take. The point is, it's almost a thousand hours per year. Thousand hours. You could learn a lot in a thousand hours if anybody was trying. But you've got 12 years, so you got 12,000 hours, not counting kindergarten. So when the kid gets out of high school, he's got 12,000 hours of being in the classroom. He could learn two or three languages. He could learn math all the way up. He could learn good, a really good, solid world history. He could learn world geography. It'd be easy. You wouldn't have to crack a, crack a sweat, as they say. But what we have now is the kids are always in the position of cutting corners and uh, not going to class and not doing the work and actually cheating. And, and they're, they're kind of proud of it, this adversarial relationship between the students doing things the right way and the school and everybody which seems to not care. So you have a definite uh, depression, you might say, throughout the whole thing. You know, and these kids, uh, they seem to think every time they 
cut some corners, they, they've uh, beat the system. Wink, wink, laugh at LOL, you know. I mean, it, it's pathetic. The kids should be ashamed of themselves. It's like a drug, you know, it's like a drug addict thinks they've got a good deal from their farmer or a drug supplier because they're, uh, what is it, the dealer gave them some needles as a gesture. So now you're supposed to like the guy and buy some more. If people would pay attention to what a joke the whole thing is, they'd be angry. At least some would. There would be demands for restitution, returns. See, this is the thing I, I didn't understand until the last five years, to be honest with you. I assumed the teacher newspapers would be instrumental in saving the schools. Some are, are idiots and some are commies. and The point is they're not doing a very good job. And they don't want to talk about it. It's kind of everything will pass in a haze. I've had I've contacted the local paper maybe once or twice a year for for a decade, and I say, you know, the parents really need some help here. They don't know what's going on with the reading, and they don't know what's going on with why the kids don't uh, know any any grammar, or don't have, don't seem to be able to read a book, and so on. The school isn't trying hard, and Everybody's participating. I think there's a lot more cheating than people realize. And if they took the cheating away and made it impossible, half the schools, the kids would have to drop out, especially in the colleges. Let's see, there's this teacher. He's in Newark, and he, he, in a bad school. And he stuck it out for 30 years until he retired, and then he started writing books with names like Chaos. Talked about how the, the kids don't do anything. They don't even come to class. And the end of the year, some administrator will show up and ask the teacher, so what do we have to do to get this kid passed? And this the man, McNulty was his name, McNulty. McNulty said, I don't care what he does, I'm I'm failing him. He didn't come to class all day, he didn't take any tests, he didn't come to class. Why would you want to pass him? See, it, see, it, makes, it, it makes the principal and the administrators look good so they can get the bonuses and the promotions and so on if they have a high graduation rate and the fact that the kid doesn't know anything and didn't attend school and now you've passed him on to the world saying that he's a uh, you know he's passed things but he hasn't passed anything he, he's a complete failure as a student and the administrator would come back a couple of days later and say come on what do you what can we do here what can we do here and McNulty would say okay he has to come in on weekend he has to do this he has to do that and then so sometimes the kid did maybe they got him and worked on him but but, but still you've got a guy who's just splurging you might say uh, doing being a really good student for one and a half days to, to get past the grade the main thing is that we have to be more realistic can we stand to be that but you know we have to say the kids are being dumbed down, you know. The whole society is being dumbed down. See, here's the thing I have to say. This is one of my big themes. Is it Education, if it's done right, is fun. I like fun and games. Uh, I think in the old days they were too strict. I'm all in favor of traditional education, but I have to be honest about this. A hundred years ago, standards were higher. And the professors were very serious people who could get away with being boring. But less and, that's less and less appropriate if people have got plenty of forms of entertainment. So I, I think that, see, 10 years ago, I, or 15, I came up with the phrase ergonomic education. And that just means 
low energy efficient education. And I've done another thing where I talked about the wow, W-O-W, the wow, teach the wow. In other words, it's like this. Somebody takes you to see the Grand Canyon. They don't have to do anything. Just stand you in front of the Grand Canyon and let the Grand Canyon do what it does. It gets into your brain and you're thinking about it, you know, 50 years later on your deathbed. You, oh, the Grand Canyon, boy, that is something. You can teach a lot of stuff with the Grand Canyon because the erosion is going on for millions of years. It cuts a trench, what is it, a quarter mile deep? It seems like look, looking at my memory right now, it seems like it's a half mile deep, but anyway, it must be a quarter mile deep. And there's no fences or anything. You know, as people fall off and die in the Grand Canyon every year. I remember my brother and I went there as kids and uh, just as silly as any other kids. And you run right up to this thing and you suddenly realize, hey, this is this is serious. This damn thing, is, there's no barriers. And the, the ground is, is uneven and it's granular. And it would be so easy to just slide right off. Anyway, my theory is that the job of the school system is to make education effective, make it fun, make it entertaining. You know, you're competing with everything else, but these days there's so many advantages because you can get clips from everything. YouTube is an example. YouTube is a university into itself already. I love looking at YouTube. I'm always going to see something I don't know. But a teacher can put together a very advanced uh, an entertaining course straight out of handful of YouTube videos some graphics and uh, then maybe you think of a Hollywood movie where there was a scene shot on the edge of the Grand Canyon or something like that and you put and you put that in there and also there's great camera stuff where you have a Piper Cub with a camera and it goes to, flies along the river in the Grand Canyon and so you're seeing this whole thing from down in it I mean, come on, that is great stuff. That's what you got to look for. So if the school would do a better job, because I'm angling here, I'm, 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 <laughs> this is a little humor. I was going to say I'm auditioning for a job that nobody's offering me and nobody's going to offer me because the school system seems to be absolutely devoted to mediocrity. I tell you that our, they had the uh, Nation at Risk report, 1983, and they said, "Boy, if somebody thought looked at this school system, they would almost be convinced that we have a foreign state or foreign government that's trying to destroy us with with our schools." This was kind of a sly way of saying, "Yeah, the commies are everywhere. The Russians are coming." So we have people spending 12,000 hours in the school and going all year long and going through the motions. But they're not learning anything. The, the school and, and and the teacher turnover is terrible because the 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 danger, the tension, the anxiety is huge. They give all this the teachers all this work. They don't protect them. But it, it's just the same for the students. They don't protect the students. They have uh, things coming over the loudspeaker. There's people on who are on drugs or on special medical pro, uh, protocols, and they wander in out of the classroom. It's insane. You have to decide what you're doing. You want to run a school system. And these kids who, who are disruptive, you have to take them out of there. But that's the, that's the big victory of, this, of the shrinks, the liberal shrinks. They use the sick kids and the unhealthy people just the way the uh, liberals use the criminals in, in this prison system and in the town. 
You know, it's like, oh, those people can't help themselves. They're just, they're poor and you can't pick on them. But it, it doesn't follow that you let bad people or un people a little out of control, that you let them pull down everything else. It doesn't follow in, in any way. It's, a, it's disgraceful, but that's what the liberals love to do. I would like to turn this thing around and say, let's everybody agree we need to do a better job because we're not competing very well against countries that spend much less money than we do. We have all the superstructure, infrastructure. We got all the buildings, all the teachers, everything. But it's at a low level. It's like we were, just, we were content to be a, a backward third world country. That's, that's the school system. And uh, the, the quality of the school system is it's just what the Russians or the commies would like us to have, our enemies, if you don't like those specifics. I've, I've always liked the word commies because it's just something, to me, kind of loathsome about these people. And the word kind of captures it. I'm sorry, but that seems right. You know, the, Lenin and Stalin were two of the worst people who ever lived. And they gave the Russians over to their putties created, what, what is it, 19, 1920 roughly to 1990, that 70 years, 70 years, give or take a few years, that was the USSR. People, 50 million people died because of Stalin and, and they were just killing people right and left. The, the biggest psycho in the world was, was, was Lenin, a clever, intriguing guy, lots of skills. He outlasted everybody, and then Stalin killed him. And then Stalin killed off all the people he thought might be a threat to him. Murder was just everywhere he's going. And the thing about Stalin is, in one way, he was a great judge of who might threaten him, but he didn't seem to see Hitler coming with a million men invasion in 1941. And so in 1937, Stalin is uh, blithely killing off tens of thousands of old military and political people and professors and anything anybody who didn't suit him. So Stalin made the country weaker, every decision he's made. The only thing that uh, the peasants have, were, are so, they're so stolid and tough in Russia because they lived through the winters and their patriotism is immense and their Christianity was probably immense and so they could fight on and on and on with things that the communists themselves were trying to destroy. So there's a nice irony to close on. The students don't know nothing. It's a great sin against our own country, and we should do much better. Overview. Let's Fix Education explores seven of my favorite themes. First, this podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. Two, by doing that we will have better schools at less cost. Three, nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. Most people instinctively want traditional education. But the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff. And that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. Four, the big brains in education keep telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. 
B.B. King, comma, the great guitarist, is much smarter. He said, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. Five, Lennon's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. Six, if we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of subeducated students from K right through college. Seven, analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12, runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site, improve-education.org, with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here. And I have hundreds of articles on the Internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.